Thank you for joining me live on episode five of the Zach Scott Show. I wanted to start off today's episode by saying thank you for all of the continued support and love you guys have shown for the Zach Scott Show on both Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. It's been great so far. I have finally reached that milestone of being able to make money. So seriously, again, it is absolutely phenomenal, the numbers that we've been able to put up and the sharing and spreading of it has been great and overwhelming, and it has been so much fun being able to do this every week. And on today's episode, we are going to continue that conversation about money. And I am joined alongside one of my childhood best friends and still to this day, a brother to me. His name is uh, Chance Fannin, a guy who knows money inside and out, both business and sports. So we're going to be able to sit down today and talk about a lot to do with player revenue and branding and NIL and just how a lot of this budgeting works within sports. So uh, Chance, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Thanks for having me here. How are you doing? I am good. I'm glad you uh, were able to join us here this morning uh, for this week's episode. So I'm looking forward to getting into it and having a good conversation about money. You ready to go? Oh, yeah. Let's get to it. Cue the intro music. Yeah, so after they got Michael Jordan, he kind of took off. It was pretty crazy. Um, it only took him about 10 years before the company was surpassing a billion dollars in total sales. Um, and ever since then, it's just been absolutely insane. Um, but it went from... Th- the the one billion dollars in total revenue of the company in uh, the 1980s to Jordan alone doing five billion in revenue last year for the co- or for just the Jordan brand alone, um, which accounted for five percent of Nike's total revenue, which is pretty insane. Do you know how much he made his first year with Nike from that deal alone? No, I don't. How much? No, I, I think well, it was a $250,000 deal, and he got 5% royalties, and his net worth is obviously around $2 billion, I think, is what he's sitting around now. I, first year, I just looked up $126 million. I do remember that now. So when you look at his numbers in total, Michael Jordan, in total, last year alone, almost doubled, or he did double, almost tripled his entire NBA salary for his entire career. So if you think about that, I mean, we look at him and we say, this is the goat of basketball. I mean, him and LeBron James, obviously, let's not get into that. But Michael Jordan is on that list of best basketball players ever. I'm not going to say who I think is my goat. um, But when we think of him, we're thinking of, I mean, he's immortal to most people. You know what I mean? So when you think of that brand, you want to wear it. You want to represent it. And that's what Adidas was at the time. And that is what Michael Jordan made Nike. He made Nike become the brand today. And like like you said, Chance, it makes up 86% of the sneaker market, Nike and Jordan's brand together. It's pretty insane what one person can do. You know, I like it. It just is inspiring every day to see stuff like that. But um I mean, it got him enough money to become the principal owner of the Charlotte Hornets. That's pretty insane. Um, yeah, I mean, well, he made enough money to be able to buy the Charlotte Hornets and now run them. And, I mean, he's making one of the better teams in Charlotte. I mean, obviously not having the best season ever this year, but on the way to becoming a dominant basketball team with a lot of youth. I mean, that's probably one of the youngest teams in the entire NBA. So... I mean, obviously, Michael Jordan has something to figure out. He's more than just a basketball. He is a smart man. It was his mom, though, who really made the right decisions for him as far as business went. She managed 
all of his business coming in. And she was ultimately probably, uh, not probably, she was ultimately the one who said, Nike is the way to go because they are offering you money every time your name is on something that is sold. You are guaranteed to make money for the rest of your life. And he continues to make money to this day, as we've talked about multiple times. And now he owns a team that has LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, uh, Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier, PJ Washington, Cody Martin, Dennis Smith Jr. Like they've got a good amount of guys on this roster over there that are all young. I mean, their starting point guard and shooting guard are both under the age of 23. So Michael Jordan has, you know, found a way to be able to use the money that he has made through Air Jordan and build uh, a dynasty that is on the way, at least. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty insane. He was the first billionaire player in NBA history. Um, obviously, we know someone that's going to follow in his footsteps pretty quickly. So that's pretty cool. Um, but we can't also we also can't forget about Space Jam. That was that won uh, some awards. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. But he did a movie too. So yeah, how much did he make um, from Space Jam? Michael Jordan himself. Made two hundred and thirty million. It generated one point two billion in merchandise sales. That's another. I mean, that's another credit to Michael Jordan. He knows how to brand things and he knows how to make money where there's where other people would really miss out. Yeah, I think that again, it's simply his name, and like you said, there's another person who now we know will be another billionaire in the game. It, it's going to be LeBron James, obviously, and he's going to be the one carrying on that legacy as he already has. I mean, LeBron James has his own brand as well. It's not Air James. It's not anything along those lines, but there is merchandise sold with LeBron James's name on it, and he also makes revenue from it um, because, again, he's a generational talent, and below him is his son, Bronny James Jr., who just did the NIL deal with USC and is breaking records there as far as money goes, making so much money he made 7.4 million dollars is his nil estimated worth he's 18 years old and he already has deals with nike beats psd and he had the chance to be in a fast and furious commercial obviously you know didn't end up doing that but his 7.4 million dollar net worth is more than 68 percent of nba players that espn track salaries for for this season again jordan being able to create a brand or not even create a brand but build a brand that was in the gutter and simply make it into something that is an economic powerhouse now. I mean, the economy with Nike in it is a better economy. I mean, would you agree or disagree? Because of the money that Nike does generate worldwide. Oh, 100%. You can even you can ask the state of Oregon. I bet they, they benefit a ton from the tax revenue that Nike pays them. Oregon's a public university, and their uh, Nike pays for a lot of people's tuition. They, the amount of scholarships that Nike gives out to the University of Oregon, you'd think it's a private university. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it really, just the amount of money that students are able to make now. I mean, the 10 most valuable NIL athletes right now uh, that we look at through college would be Shador Sanders at 10, 1.6 million, so Colorado quarterback. Will Anderson... Uh, who now has been drafted, but he was at 1.7 million. Bijan, who just got drafted uh, to the Falcons, 1.8 million. Olivia Dune, the gymnast at LSU, 
Uh, she's 2.7 million. Caleb Williams, the next Patrick Mahomes in a lot of people's opinion, 3.2 million at USC. And then we get into the top four. It was Bryce Young at Alabama, 3.5 million. And then the top three NIL leaders haven't even played a single college game yet. Think about that. These are high schoolers. It's Arch Manning, who's committed to Texas at $3.5 million. Mikey Williams, who's committed to Memphis, $3.6 million. And then obviously we go to Bronny James, the Sierra Canyon High School superstar, $7.5 million. And he is ranked 40th in the class of 2023. But obviously the name James carries a lot of weight. And they see the value in him. And USC got him over Ohio State and a lot of other schools and even the G League because $7.5 million is a lot of money. Um, and being able to go to a school that can help you grow that brand even further, it's the smart business choice for uh, Bronny James Jr. to be able to get a degree and have money to sit back on before going to the league and obviously dominating at that level. Yeah, I was actually going to bounce that as a question off to you since we're talking about Bronny Jr. and uh, ask you, do you think if they had these NIL, which some people may not know is name, image, and likeness, so they get paid for their name, image, and likeness, um, do you think that LeBron James would have went to college and got a degree and maybe developed a little bit more as a player at college if he could have gotten paid in college? Mm. That's always a, a tough question. I mean, that's a great question, but it's always a tough one. I think 2014 was a big year in college because when you think about it before, uh, NCAA had a bunch of games made already for basketball, baseball, um, you know, football even, obviously, the the big ones, NCAA 13, NCAA 14, playing dynasty mode and all that. And we see that it's coming back, obviously, because of name, image, and likeness, uh, players able to get paid for that. But if you're not able to make money right away going into college, which obviously I think all college athletes should be able to, they're doing the same thing as professional sports players. And the difference is, is there are still, these young men are grinding to make it to that next level. So if they're not really at that talent level to make it there and be a star and they know they won't make the money, then obviously college is the better place to go because you know you're going to have a degree, you know you'll be able to get a job after college, and you know you'll be able to be set up further for success in the future. Ultimately, I think Bronny James Jr. is really a good person to look at for this. If I were him, I'm going to college as well, taking the money. But if the money is not there and I'm Bronny James Jr., I'm absolutely going straight to the G League or the NBA, wherever obviously is going to bring you in. I mean, your last name's James, and you know you're going to be set up. You already have a deal with Nike. You already have a deal with PSD, Beats, all these big brands. The scary part is for college students who weren't making money before NIL and who still aren't making money because they aren't the biggest athletes out there. You never know when your last game could be. You never know when an injury could come about. So you want to make that money when you can. That's why you see so many MLB draft prospects. It's so hard for them. They'll get drafted in late rounds, and the money's not quite there. So they'll go back to college or stay, or even stay in high school that senior year and then obviously go to college the following year and stay committed instead of you know going straight into the draft because, again, the money's not there. And in baseball, you see a lot more injuries for players who do end up you know staying longer. So that's why a lot of pitchers will go out of high school earlier. Um, and 
lot of young bats. If the bat is already developed along, you'll see them get drafted out of high school because the skills are there. Um, and most of the time they'll take that money because it's, it's, it's guaranteed money right then and there. And in college, you never know how your game's going to develop. And if uh, a team is taking a chance on you while you're young, then absolutely. I think, you know, I hope I'm answering your question in the right way. For some players, it's smart to go straight to the league. And for others, it's not. I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it all just depends on what is smarter for you in the long term of how you are going to maintain that money. No, for sure. And it is funny how it varies from sport to sport because, like you said, basketball, it's all time for your body to develop more. You can Your game can develop more. But in things like baseball, when these people come over from, like, Cuba and stuff, they'll lie and say they're 16 when they're 18 because it makes it look that much better because they're that much younger. And like you said, injuries are just that much more common. So the longer you're around, the more of a liability you are to the team. That's why knuckleball pitchers are were, were so nice because they didn't get injured as much because they weren't throwing as hard. And that's why you don't see pitchers that throw 105 stay around very long. They're there for two, three seasons and they're gone. Yeah, I mean, that's most of the time with pitchers, that's the hardest part. I mean, relief pitchers do not make nearly as much money as other positions in the MLB simply because of their longevity. I mean, you'll see a good amount of relief pitchers who can go longer, but their stamina is not as high as starters, obviously. That's why they you know, stay in the bullpen. They don't have as many bullets to throw. So their arms are not as long-lasting as other starting pitchers or other pitchers in general. And if that money's there, well, get it while you can because, again, that clock is ticking and you do not know. But again, that it all goes back to LeBron James uh, to Bronny James Jr. It seven point four million dollars already having deals with all those big companies, and accounting for more than sixty eight percent of the NBA. Why risk going straight to the league when you could already take that money you have and develop your game even further and become better and better? You're ranked in the forties. You're ranked further down than he probably feels like he should be. So why not go win a national championship? Why not go help build a program who FGCU, the school that I graduated from, obviously beat last year in basketball, wouldn't happen again, I, I don't believe, uh, with Bronny James Jr. over there now. But you see what I mean? Like NIL, we are going to see so many schools and conferences shift up and change simply because of the fact that schools with money can now afford to get deals for these kids and bring them in in easier fashion. I mean, being able to give a kid that much money and say, you know what, come to us, we'll help build your brand even further. Like, why not? You are essentially putting your money into an investment. I mean, is that not almost a spot on analogy? Like he's investing his money into a university realizing that if I go here and I play well, that money's going to grow. I would agree that it definitely is a, it's an investment for Brownie. It's definitely an investment for USC as well. They're both trying to uh, grow their program, but it also helps for the actual students of the university as well. Um, with this money that they can get for name, image, and likeness, it saves scholarship spots for these actual students that are going there. And uh, you can give these students money, and then they can pay for their own tuition. But it can just come out of their, it can just come out of their NIL checks, almost like a tax. And then they just learn, 
they just learn other budgeting habits and stuff like that i think it's actually really beneficial all around oh exactly and it really is only likely that Bronny's going to play one year at usc but the benefits for both developing his game and wallet are absolutely crystal clear to go there and then declare for the draft in 2024 so for now it's really just going to be him focusing up on his uh, one year that he should do at you know at usc and think about a guy like zion williamson i mean that's a guy who came out of high school and went to duke and if player likeness and image was around um like name image and likeness was around at that time then zion would have been one of the highest paid athletes and then you look at him now in the NBA and he's still tearing it around. He's one of the biggest bullies in the NBA as far as being able to get buckets and, you know, easy fashion. But a lot of the NBA and NFL and MLB, all this is growing because players are able to get signed at younger ages. They're able to be developed for longer times. You look at the San Diego Padres. I mean, they signed a 16-year-old catcher named Ethan Salias um, out of Venezuela for $5.6 million on, as the bonus on the first day of international signing. So that was back in January um, that they were able to do that around January 14th, 15th timeframe that they're able to sign. So like teams are able to go get younger players in almost all sports. Now there's different formats for each sport, but the money is there. And it is nice to see that young players who put their bodies on the line every day are finally starting to get paid because again, the money goes further than just what are you doing for the organization or the company or the brand, whatever it may be, it is more or less, I like to think of it, where do these people come from? When you think of sports, so many of the people that put on for us every single day do not have the privileged background that a lot of us do have. And they had to struggle so much for their money. Bronny James Jr., obviously not. Obviously not. Your dad's LeBron James. But look at LeBron James. Before anything else, he struggled so much and you see a lot of these players that do struggle and they get this money and either they'll make the right decisions or the bad decisions with it obviously you want to see them make the right but it is nice to be able to see that players who you know have come up through the struggle are finally getting the money that they deserve so they can you know help the others around them help their family help everything that they feel they need to do with that money and that is nice to see that you know players are able to you know, finally be recognized for, you know, the skills that they showcase every, I feel like there's a game every day in sports. There's so many ESPNs and then there's games on other channels. I mean, I'm always watching a sports game, whether it's baseball, softball, softball is my favorite, <laughs> but yeah, the college softball world series is on right now too. And Fandle, where you at? Exactly. I mean, absolutely. Again, you look at, oh, sorry. Let me run that back. No, you're good. Where were we at? You just were talking about how there's sports on like every channel. Oh yeah, yeah. Or the well, I kind of yeah, just oh, yeah. went go went on with that. Sorry, there we go. So yeah, I mean exactly. There are sports on every channel, all the time. ESPN eight, the Ocho. I mean, it, it really, there are sports on every single night. It feels like, and. That's money. All of that, ticket sales, ad revenue, marketing, branding, players on the court, players on the bench, concessions, raffles, everything, parking, everything that goes into sports 
essentially either costs money or brings in money. And it is all up to the front office on how to figure out the best way to go about bringing that money. Let's talk about the Oakland Athletics, the most poverty franchise in all of baseball. And the Oakland Athletics are at the bottom of the barrel as far as money goes. And they are moving to Las Vegas. Oakland Athletics this season have a winning percentage of .207. They have 26 on the active roster. And the 26-man payroll is 42737000 Compare that to the New York Mets. 26-man payroll. Two hundred and sixty-five million four hundred eighty-five thousand three hundred eighty-seven. So you look at the a, a top team in baseball, well, a middle team. They're they're at five eighteen winning percentage, and the Texas Rangers are at six thirty-six. So, I mean, put that into a little bit of perspective. But the Oakland Athletics are the on the on the way to being the most losing team in all of baseball ever in a hundred and sixty-two game season. If you did the averages right now and did the rest of their season on how they're playing baseball, they have the worst pitching staff in the history of baseball. And that team in total that is entirely rostered, 42,737,071. And then even on the injured reserve, you've got 11,033,710. And they have to figure out a way to bring fans in. You look at Oakland Athletics, I don't know if you've seen a game lately or not, but that are the stadium is empty. You can sit anywhere. And then the Oakland Athletics again. I, this is a uh, that movie Major League with Charlie Sheen. Yeah, yeah. That's essentially what they're doing. The owner is is so ready to get out of Oakland and get into Las Vegas. Think about the business there. You move Oakland to Las Vegas with a brand new stadium. And did you see what the Raiders did when they took Allegiant there and built that brand new beautiful stadium? Oh yeah, they, you got people going to the game that don't even like football or don't even like baseball. They're just going because like you're in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a great point and another one that goes off of what we were talking about. When a team is in a city that is a good market, obviously you're going to make more money, and that's another thing that you know owners have to look into. And that's what the Oakland Athletics owner looked into um, as far as what he should do next season. And it's move into that market. Las Vegas, a place where people travel in and out every single day. It is the city. I think it's a lot like New York. It just doesn't go to sleep, obviously. And that's why you'll see a huge fan base there, regardless if they're Athletics fans or not. And who knows if they'll change the name or keep it the same, whatever it may be. But now you have two big sports franchises there and a whole lot of traffic. So the Oakland Athletics at the bottom of the barrel as far as money goes, but I'm excited to see where they could be next season. Um, A lot like the Raiders when they moved, you know, just saw money skyrocket compared just simply because of what they offer at the ballpark. What is it out there on uh, in the end zone? Don't they have that private VIP place with like blackjack and poker tables? Yeah, they have a whole in, casino like inside of the stadium. It's insane. Yeah, in the stadium. So you're making money there because you've got people drinking, so you're making money drinking in that VIP section. They paid for the tickets. He made money there. They more than likely paid for parking or got driven. I mean, it really depends on how, how they've got it. But regardless, you've got people in that casino inside of a stadium that is 
meant to be for spectating football, but there's so much to do inside that you don't even have to be a fan, but you can still go and say, I'll, I'll go be around a football game, but I'm going to bet on blackjack. Why not steal the house's money while you're sitting there watching football? But again, it all goes back to what we've been talking about this whole episode is the end of the day. At the end of the day, sports is about money and bringing in money, and it is about players being able to bring in their money for themselves. So there's a fine line between teams budgeting and players budgeting. And we've been able to really go over a lot of that with Air Jordan being able to build a brand that has carried on to multiple people now. And we see so many athletes with shoes named after themselves and it is a forever growing industry will be branding and marketing all people. I mean, shoot, even the Zach Scott show, I pay for ads on Instagram. I pay for ads on Spotify. I pay for ads all over the place simply to continue to brand and push my name out there. Unfortunately, my name's not Michael Jordan. So people don't know Zach Scott like they know Michael Jordan, but you can see why a name on a brand is able to be so explosive for an entire company. If I got Michael Jordan on the podcast, well, then the Zach Scott show is so much more than what it is now simply because of the name I had on here. You know what I mean? Like if you can bring in the right guys, then money's not going to be an issue. For sure. A podcast is almost like forming a team, except you can have a way bigger roster. Have way bigger roster. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's been, you know, Crazy to see the way that money has shifted in sports over the years, especially in such a short time frame. But with inflation and everything and these contracts that people are able to get nowadays, it has completely shifted the way contract structuring works. And I mean, even think of an example with a guy like Christian Kirk, a wide receiver who had a great season, but now is one of the highest paid wide receivers in the NFL. And you know, you look at other guys throughout the league, wide receivers are going to start asking for a lot more money. You saw the same thing happen with quarterbacks, and that's going to continue to happen as we move along in sports and as money continues to grow for both teams and players, simply because they're able to. That is today's age, social media, marketing, branding, getting your name out there, getting people to invest in you, want you, want to represent you, want to you know, show you off. And the more people that know your name, the more money you make at the end of the day. And that is really, unfortunately, what it's all about. I mean, in those kinds of businesses, it, it's all about making that money. And you have those players who do want to play the game. But I mean, if I'm out there and I'm a player, yeah, I'm playing it for the love of the game. But at the end of the day, I want to get paid for what I'm doing. Yeah, there's a lot of people that you can watch, like the barbershop talks. A lot of them say that, yeah, in college they loved the sport, and then in, when they started playing professional, it was all for a paycheck. They're like, I got a mortgage, you know, but it's so many people. I, that, that, yeah, that's actually – I forget who it was. I, I wish I could remember that legitimately. I think I just saw that in a, on an ESPN interview that was like, I forget which player in the NBA, but he was saying that he doesn't even like being in the NBA. It might have, no, it was Kyrie. I'm sorry. It was Kyrie Irving who said that he doesn't even like being in the NBA. He, he just knows that he's good at it. He's good at basketball and it makes him money. So he plays it. You know what I mean? Like players are going to do what they need to do to make money. This is what they've been doing since they were four years old and could first pick up a, a piece of sports equipment. 
it's the one that they fell in love with from day one. So if you're good enough to play that for the rest of your life or for more than half of your life and continue on with that kind of, you know, trajectory, like LeBron James one day will more than likely own an NBA team, just like Michael Jordan, and he'll continue to make money. He has a school that makes money. Uh, he has a lot of organizations around. I mean, again, these brands are more than just their brands. They build off into so many other alleys and avenues for players to be able to make incomes. So we've really covered a lot today as far as you know, player revenue goes and the ability to build a brand. And we were really all over the place as far as money goes with budgeting and how teams are able to make it, how players are able to make it, and the importance of making money. Um, and it was a great conversation, Chance. I really had a good time being able to talk about the way income works within sports and for players and the effect that players have had on brands and that they continue to have going forward. Yeah, it was awesome. Thank you for having me on, man. Yeah, I really appreciate it taking some time this morning to knock this out and get another episode out. So again, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have shown on the Zach Scott show and episode five. Uh, this is a milestone, meaning that we have now released halfway to 10, obviously, and um, we are over a month now, which is exciting. And, you know, again, for me, just to be able to produce episodes each week and bring people on like Chance, who isn't the biggest sports guy in the world, but has insight on money and the way money works. And being able to bring in last episode, a guy who plays college baseball. And before that, I was solo. And before that, it was Josh Holland. Just being able to bring in a bunch of fun people who want to talk sports and want to learn more and want to drive conversation. That's what makes everything fun. I appreciate all the Q&As you guys are leaving, all the suggestions you're leaving below um, on Spotify and Apple. Everything you guys are doing is continue to help me drive forward and wanting to produce more episodes. And I have a great episode in store for next week. I really hope you enjoyed today. And again, Chance, I thank you for joining us. Thank you. So that's it for the episode five of the Zach Scott Show. I look forward to seeing you guys next week. Peace.